Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Hello, Dr. Rob. I'm a porn and chemsex addict in recovery. Yay. Sober from SA for two years and still struggling with porn addiction. Sober three weeks. Yay. Yay. I have performance anxiety and ED issues and have been have had them even before I came became a chemsex addict. I'm working with my a general practitioner for anxiety using SSRIs while butrin and plan to visit urologist soon. I can diagnose physical causes, if any, so I can confirm that it's only psychological. How do I responsibly disclose my past SA and PA with the urologist? What things test I can get, um, what things test I can get the best possible help. So. Right. So one of the things is I really appreciate you're talking about having had issues that were sexual before you really started acting out because a lot of, and this is helpful also for spouses is the most of us were doing in some way what we did to you long before we met you. You know, I was acting out at uh, 14, to be honest with you. I didn't get in meaningful relationship until I was 23, but that's how it was. And that's what I did. So um, uh, I'm glad that you're talking about, uh, about the past and other issues before this sort of showed up. Um, it's interesting because you talk about working with your GP, going to see a urologist. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know, but I would assume you're seeing some kind of therapist or getting some kind of support if you're not. Tammy, I'm certain we'll touch on that. But, um, and the reason I'm glad you're going to those people is as a good therapist, I will always say to someone like you, let's make sure the physical is checked out. Let's make sure before we get into all of the other stuff that your body is working in the right way, because sometimes it isn't. And we could spend three years in therapy and you just really need to see a doctor. So I'm really, really glad to see that, that those are the right decisions to make, I think. But, um, but what do I tell my urologist? Um, to me, that speaks to shame. You know, to me, that speaks to your shame, because what I would do is I would go to my urologist and said, you know, when I was a little younger, I had sex with hundreds of people and I had an awful lot of sex. And it's part of some issues that I have. But I'm wondering, you know, could my prostate have been affected? Could I have harmed myself in some way? Could I be dealing with, you know, outcome of that? Or could it be escalating problem I had before? Um, so, you know, I think honesty is the best path and believe me, this is one of the most important things that we do with our physicians is we trust them to listen to us confidentially, confidentially, which they are required to do. And Lord knows they hear everything when I feel, and that's why I said it's shame. There is, believe me, a urologist, other than the proctologist, there's nothing these folks haven't seen or heard. So you are doing yourself a, a disadvantage by by not by having the discomfort, but by, by talking, by not talking through it. And by the way, you might write a little note and you might say, this is what I'm dealing with. And you could send it before you go or pass it. You know, you don't actually have to say it out loud, but it does have to be said. And I like you, you want to get the right diagnosis. If you aren't truthful, the urologist can only work with what they know and see. So, um, and you talked about the porn, you stopped it three weeks ago. Typically it's not just porn, it's porn and masturbation. So I would make sure you talk about that because that, you know, can affect things, you know, as well. So, so, you know, I'm always up front, you know, and it's different, but I'm always up front with all my doctors, you know, because I want to make sure that they 
understand who I am, what my personality is, what my, you know, what my, you know, what my issues could be so that they can give me the best help that they possibly can. So I love that you're asking the question. I love that you schedule an appointment. Just be truthful, get the right help. So, okay. Next question. I have trouble understanding when my husband says to me that he would lust an image on paper and one in a movie were different for him. A woman in a swimsuit in a newspaper and one on TV seemed the same to me. Sorry, hold on a second. Um, got it. Sorry, I was too busy typing stuff to people. Um, so it I'm seems like it. I'm just yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm really no, I wanted just, to yeah. So I don't know if this person's a sex addict that they're dealing with. I don't know if this is just a guy. Um, I think part of what this is, at least that, that strikes me right at the beginning, is that we men, men um, have particular things that turn us on. And women have other things that turn them on because we are not the same and biologically or emotionally. And so one of the things that turns men on almost exclusively is new content. We love something new that stimulates us. This is why we watch so much porn. And I'm just talking about us. I'm talking about everyone. So when I lust after an image on paper or one in a movie, I'm sorry, Tammy, maybe I don't understand this question. Well, I'm really confused. I'm trying to decide if he lusts an image on paper more than one in a movie or vice versa. Like if it's a flat image and it's not. Oh, I you know, see. Like I'm, I'm trying to decide. I get this now. Okay, I got thank this. You. Okay. So your husband's lying. <laughs> and he's saying, oh, no, I don't sexualize those images on the TV. I just sexualize the one in the magazines. That's a lie. Um, that's an addict saying, oh, 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 I was looking at that, or, you know, that's an addict saying, I really, really want to watch that movie. So I'm going to tell you, it doesn't affect me at all. Um, and I don't want you looking at me and questioning me. And so I'll just lie to you. But I, I, I think this is a, uh, a misrepresentation of the truth. How about that? Um, do you get that, Tammy? Like how I put yeah, that together? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like, yeah, something does not seem like to me it felt like i want to hold on to this oh that one doesn't bother. like oh yeah that's really high. but this doesn't bother me at all it's like when people are going oh the tiktok or instagram or you know whatever it is those aren't you know those aren't porn well yeah they you know they can be so they can be so yeah so um and part of it is you know if he's working on having a better relationship with you and it makes you uncomfortable that's a really good place to start it's like it, well, this makes me uncomfortable because I don't, I'm not able to distinguish between the two. So, so like, like talk to your sponsor, talk to your therapist, but to me, this would be, you know, problematic behavior and should be really looked at carefully. Um, so here's, a, here's another, this is a tangent, but like people that look at a lot of porn, it gets stuck in their heads. And so, you know, the, and some of them can have that, that recall with that. So it's challenging to figure out how do you stay present and engaged in, you know, with real people and not be sexualizing or objectifying, whether it's an image or something, you know, a recall thing. So, so yeah, I just don't trust, I don't trust that he's telling the truth. How's that? Yeah, okay. no, I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's okay. Um, okay I, I just, well, I would say to you as a spouse, because Tammy said this earlier, I'm sorry, I really want to reinforce something yeah. you said. Um, I work with men who ha don't have a problem with porn. 
you know, they're just in a relationship and their spouse objected. They didn't feel good about it. And I've had these men say, what's the big deal? I look at porn and lots of people look at porn and, you know, my spouse is being too conservative. And, and the answer is, and Tammy said this, the person you love the most is disturbed by something. It doesn't matter whether it's the color of your car or the fact you look at porn or the job you have. If your spouse is unhappy, pay attention. Don't fight for the, I understand this, believe me, don't fight for the expensive car if your spouse doesn't feel comfortable for it. Buy the cheaper one. It, mm -hmm. Don't fight over what images are okay or not for you. Look at what makes your spouse comfortable, not because you want to make them feel comfortable and you want them to feel like what they say matters to you. So I wouldn't fight for, and Tammy and I say this all the time, and I did a podcast with Dr. Stan Tatkin, but he says, you know, if you're making a choice and you want it to be a good one for the two of you, don't make it on what you want. Don't make it on what you think they want. Make your decisions on what you think is best for the relationship, and that will save and solidify and grow your relationship. So right here, what is the best choice for you to make as the, as the viewer? Is it best for your relationship that you try to subdivide what is what or that you say, you know, based on being best for my relationship, I don't think my spouse really likes this. I'm going to I'm going to change. There shouldn't be an argument. Um, this isn't about morality. This is about coupleship. But anyway, thanks, Tammy, you threw that yeah. out for me. Well, and and not looking for another. Well, what else can I use? You know, lean into your therapist, lean into your sponsor, lean into your peer group. So. Okay, I found out through our uh, formal disclosure that my SA husband had oral sex with several boys in his teen years. He said none of them had girlfriends, so this was the way they could have sex. Is this typical for an SA? He says he's not attracted to men, and his porn use was of women, not men. He's doing all the recovery work you guys recommended. I appreciate you adding that on, so thank you. By the way, Tammy, I want to say with all due respect, when I saw FD, I thought fire department. I found out through <laughs> our fire department. That's like... So just to say, um, so I don't know how often this happened. I don't know how old he was. I don't know what was going on. So I don't have, have enough, at all enough information. I can only tell you a biological fact or a psychological fact, which is that young boys, perhaps 14 and younger, maybe 15, and, well, I would say 14 and younger. It's somewhere right after puberty, you know, 13, 14, 12, in there. Boys, you know, they used to use this term circle jerk. You know, boys would sit around and masturbate. One boy would teach another boy how to masturbate. Boys would look at porn together and sometimes masturbate. I have heard the oral sex piece is a part of that. So is our boys being sexual? With, is How do I say that? Is it true that boys being sexual with each other at a young age means anything for adult life? And I would say not necessarily. But if you're dealing, if your spouse is a sex addict, you know, I, I would want to know where, how many kids, how many times did it happen? How old were they all the same age? Did someone make someone doing it? I mean, there's so many therapy type questions here, but I would say that just the general question, do boys have sexual relationships with, with each other in their young teens? And does it mean anything for their adult life? Actually, no. Well, and, and yeah. And that is really helpful. But I also was thinking, you know, how I want to, I want to validate your feelings about um, how confusing yeah. that had to be to learn about that in your formal therapeutic disclosure. I hope you had great support. I hope that, you know, there was a plan, you know, for all of this, but I also understand the wondering about what does this really mean? Um, we had lots of phone calls, you know, and, and emails about what does this mean if he's had sex with, you know, with other men or, you know, so, so 
I honor that you're asking the question. I hope you've had good support and you're finding a healing path now that you've uh, completed the formal therapeutic disclosure too. So, okay, next question is, recently my SA partner's brother intentionally triggered my PTSD by playing a song he knew was a trigger. I asked him not to, please don't play. It's a trigger for me. He said, don't tell me what to do in my own house and laughed at me saying it's a good song. My partner admits his brother is a misogynist. My partner was asleep on the couch at the time. The argument escalated. So he woke up in the middle of it when I knocked over an ashtray in anger after my brother-in-law <laughs> called me uh, the C word in a bitch. Um, I'm not going to, but I, I'm sorry. My PTSD was diagnosed after walking in on my essay partner cheating, but has roots in sexual assault at 16 years old. My partner says he can see both sides, which I find kind of offensive, but I also don't want to insist on creating any sort of rift between him and his brother. How do we navigate a situation like this? What is a reasonable amount of respect and support to expect from him in situations like this when I'm obviously when I'm not a super proud of my behavior either? So. Tammy, mm -hmm. well, you want to you want to give that a good start, and actually, I have uh, a I, extra, so this yeah, is yeah. great for you to start. Yeah, well, so there's so much there. So, so I have learned for me that there are certain people that are not safe for me to be around. Some of them have familial labels, like you know, in-laws and things. So, so I choose. I have I have learned that I have a choice in this. Now, if your your husband and your and his brother want to be you know, in close proximity, all good. But maybe you choose to do something else rather than being in the same house in his house. It's very challenging because you are at his house. So his house rules. Um, you, I, I say this often. I only have control over my actions and reactions. You were triggered. I get it. You know, you're not proud of your behavior. You, you know, it, it happened. If, if it would help you to clean up your side of the street, then then perhaps you do that. But I would honestly look at, is this a safe relationship for you to be part of? Do you need it? You know, I, you know, is it a good person for your husband to be as connected to? You know, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where you really need to explore, you know, what does this person mean in all of your, you know, family life and, you know, how close do you need to be with that person? But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, what is it? If you sleep with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. It's one of those things too, with like, if he's hanging with his brother, it, it, I don't know. It's, I'm sorry. I'm babbling, but it, it's hard because I'm sure he is my brother. I feel, you know, torn and all that, but you are his primary relationship. So at some point, you know, I, I would be wanting to, I need to be supported in this. And, you know, your brother was being an a-hole. So I don't know. It's very, that's challenging. And it, and it rubs on some personal issues for me. So anyway. Well, I just want to say, Tammy, it's if you lie down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. And oh, the reason thanks. I said that is because sex addicts don't necessarily sleep with the people we're with. Yeah, that's we true just too. lie down yeah. with them if yeah. we lie down with them. So I'm, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time. So um, I agree with, so how do I say this? I, I can understand and I'm, I'm being um, kind in a situation I don't know about. But rather than, I completely understand that you said, uh, where was it? That you found it offensive that your that your husband kind of said, well, you both have a part in it. And I can understand also, and I really want to be respectful, but if he woke up, if your 
bro, if your husband woke up to flying ashtrays, you know, while you say, I understand part is my part, well, you have a part. And so, you know, I, I, if I were your husband, I would have a difficult time. I, you know, I'm sure my, my brother said something to piss her off. I, I'm angry at him, but then look what she did. I'm angry at her. So I probably would do my best to say, I love you both. And you both have a part in this. So as a husband, I don't think he did a bad thing, but I can understand he didn't support you in the way that you wanted him to. I get that. Um, my actions are not necessarily going to mean anything to anyone except me. So if I say to my husband, you know, I really don't feel comfortable on your brother and it's okay if we go to Thanksgiving when there's lots of people around, but being just one on your one, your brother or staying, and I don't care if you see him every other day, you have to take care of yourself. You have a PTSD, you have a, an abuse history. You, you were assaulted as a teenager. I'm sure you were, I hope that you're really working on yourself or you have worked on yourself to come to peace with that. And, you know, here's the deal, sister, you got to put yourself first. And I would not be concerned about my husband's relationship with my brother. What I would say is I really love you for being engaged with your brother. And I really hope you have a you know great time together and go to the ball game, do whatever you want. But it's really better that I'm not involved. And if I am involved, it needs to be like a family thing. Um, now, if he gets mad at you about that, what are you going to say? I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to let myself sit in a very uncomfortable situation to please you. Um, I know that you love your brother. I respect that. I'm not going to try to get in between you, but I don't have to be there. So this idea that you're going to create a rift, this is between you and his brother. If your husband steps in, I would say to him, could you let me handle things with your brother? And my decision is Thanksgiving only. And because you have to take care of yourself. And by the way, as, a, as an assault and abuse partner, uh, history, someone, someone with that history, it's very hard for us to stand up for ourselves. It's very hard in a situation that like this to say, this is what I need. This is what I want. So good for you for being able to articulate that you don't like something and stand up to a situation, which I think is a survivor. It's easy to just collapse into. So now you've got to follow through and set boundaries. And if you aren't sure how to do this, this is a great thing to go to one of the betrayed spouses groups or a betrayed, we, we teach a betrayed partner course and say, I need information from other people about how they deal with this. You know, um, uh, my brother and my brother-in-law are sex addicts, or my husband and, you know, you're not the only person who has to deal with issues around your kids, your spouse, your, you know, this affects the whole family. And so I really encourage you to just stop in and get support. There, again, there's no charge. You can get support from these folks, or you can take a betrayed partner's course, and that's how you kind of negotiate your way through learn things and grow relationships with those women. But you need support here for yourself to, to not get angry, but to hold your line. Yeah. Yes. That yeah, yes. And holding your line. But, but I also, I had this, um, I had this heart feeling too, with the, you know, I'm in a place, I'm asking this person not to do the things that are the most triggering for me. And not only did he go, did, not only did he not stop, but he was laughing and making it worse. And so, so that had to feel like an, an extra assault. And then, you know, and I'm sorry for you with that, but like, just know that you're worth holding healthy boundaries for you. And I, you know, I don't have to be around people who are unsafe for me. And it sounds like, you know, this person is for you, maybe not for your husband, but for you. So. Yeah. And I want to okay. add one more thing at that, which is you said your his brother's a misogynist. I think his brother's mean. 
That is a mean thing. Forget whether you love women or you, if someone said, I'm really uncomfortable with something and you say, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care whether you're talking to a man, a woman or a dog, that just isn't okay. And so what I would say to you is your brother-in-law is mean to you and that's not okay. Forget his views on women. He's mean. And I don't want to be around people who make choices to be mean to me. Um, Tammy, what do we got next? So the um, the next one is, would you say it's the same risk factor for stepdaughter, stepfather pornography? And well, there was a question uh, before that. Well, but it's the, uh, yeah, but I don't, there's, it's not a question. It was just a statement. So. Well, trickle disclosure, since he left uh, treatment, he said it's something he didn't disclose. Again, just to that part, I would say, why didn't it get disclosed? And why was the, that the last thing? And again, it makes me uncomfortable. I will just stick with that. It makes me uncomfortable. And Well, and um, how do you know it's the last thing? Because it could be the last thing for now. And then there could be another last thing. So, and then, yeah. yeah. So, so. And uh, um, is the same risk factor with stepdaughter, stepfather? I don't care. Incest porn is incest porn. That word makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, it's not unusual for me to work with people who they know things happen to them, but they really don't know the effect it had. And they were nearly not in touch with the feelings around it. So, you know, your spouse may say, oh, yeah, look at this kind of porn. But there may be much deeper issues underneath it for him. Um, but yeah, I don't care who I don't care who's having sex with who. If you're related, it's a problem. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so the last question. Hello, I've been doing recovery group and individual since May of 2020. Did PA 101 was great. Need to add 12 step. I agree. My slips have been what Scott B calls not porn. It seems so easy to be in denial about non-nude images, though they were certainly not healthy. Do you have any advice what not porn is middle circle being discussed with therapists and what is inner circle being discussed with partner? Inner circle equals sexual reaction for me. Yeah, I don't, I could not support your treatment plan. First of all, I don't think inner circle means anything about feelings. The inner circle, which for those of you who don't know, is sobriety. Because in AA, you say no drinking, no using. It's pretty clear in our program and with eating disorders, you know, we don't want you to stop eating or stop having sex. So we help you define sobriety. And the inner circle, I'm making a little circle here, the mm -hmm. inner circle is the the bottom line, if I cross this line, uh, I've had a slip. I looked at the porn. I went to the massage parlor. I called the affair partner. It has to do with action. And so I would never put, I would never encourage putting lying or thinking about things or things that I wouldn't want to throw away a year of sexual sobriety because I lied to someone. I wouldn't want to throw away a year of sexual sobriety because I lusted after someone. I mean, those are those are things we can work on for a lifetime. So this is just a separate issue. I really, really, and I know you spouses, I get it. You want anything we look at, anytime we have a feeling, you want to know, and you're going to get angry and it makes you feel safer. But it's not our job to tell you every single thing that comes into our head. And if we do, then you're not our spouse anymore. Then you're our, our parole officer. And who wants to make love to or be in an intimate relationship with their parole officer? They usually tend to resent them. So, um, so I, I do think that when you do your inner circle and it's up to you, you'll never get time together if reacting is the thing that, that is a problem. Okay, I want to go back to the actual question. Um, yes, I have a lot of men coming into treatment now, and it's interesting, Tammy, who say, I was, looking, I was just looking at Instagram. You know, I was just looking at that page on Facebook. Um, you know what you're looking at. 
And by the way, everybody at Seeking Integrity, when I turn to them and say, really, is it just Instagram? They know exactly what I mean. So I, I don't think that it is easy to be in denial about non-nude images. I really don't. Um, if it is something that is sexually arousing to you, it's a non, it's a, it's a sexual image for you. And by the way, there are things I look at that kind of don't interest me. And there are things that other people look at that are extremely arousing. This would be something I would talk about. Um, any advice about what porn is not being, I would talk about, um, in my therapy, I would talk about it with a 12 step recovery person. I would, and most of all, I talk about it with my partner. You know, what is it that makes you uncomfortable? Cause I want to follow that rule. I'm not going to call it a slip or I am, but I'm not going to, and I'm not going to report it to you every time, but I really want to know, you know, what is it that you might see me looking at that will disturb you? Um, I think if you um, put your spouse in, in, in your attic for a minute and you have at attic and you have them looking out at what you're looking at, you'll know pretty quickly. And if it disturbs your spouse, you probably shouldn't be looking at it. It's not really that hard. I don't want your spouse to be your guide over time. But at this point, if something is bothering them, you need to ask them so that you can be clearly guided and you need to ask your sponsor and you need to ask your therapist. So boy, I said a lot, Tammy, do you have any other stuff to add? No, I'm just affirming the need for 12 step because I'm glad you're doing group and individual. I'm glad you did the work group, you know, and you did PA uh, 101. I, I don't know if you did level one and level two, highly encourage both, but, um, but yeah, the, you know, we have other things like the um, attachment wound and inner child, all of those things to help you continue that to look at why I wonder why I do this. You know, what am I looking for? It, it doesn't fix it, but it helps give you names of like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling abandoned right now. So I'm going to go, you know, I'm, I want to go do this, or I want to look at these not porn, porn, you know, so, so there, it's just a lot more um, that you can do. Um, but yeah, 12 step is like, there's lots of opportunities and groups. You can't have a sponsor if you don't have the 12 step group. So, so lean into all of that and um, keep coming back here. Can I add one quick thing before everybody goes? We have yeah. 47 people in the room and earlier we had, we had 52 or 54. I just really want to validate and thank all of you for coming here and trying to work and improve yourselves. You know, the last thing I want to do is go spend an hour listening to me and Tammy talking about really painful and difficult things. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're just here. Um, and yeah, we talk about the different programs and stuff we do because, you know, I've been doing this 30 years. And if I set up a course online, it's a good course. If I set up, uh, an, if Tammy works on someone on the 12 step video, it's a good video. We've been at this for decades and decades. So whatever, whether it's free or cost or whether you just come here, I just really, really want to acknowledge that this is hard stuff and you are hitting it head on. And, you know, that's really the only way to do it. Um, and even your complaints, your disappointments, your hurts, you're bringing them to us. I so appreciate that. And I become a better at what I do just hearing that. Um, so I just yeah. wanted to do some props for the people who come here so often. Yeah. And I want to give hope. I mean, I, you know, I see this consistently. I, I love our treatment program. There is no better clinical team. Dr. Rob works directly with the clients. It, you know, it is life changing. They only have them for a short time. And as somebody shared, they still held back and they are talked to about that all the time in treatment about, you know, uh, our, our secrets keep us sick, but that's, what's going to make us relapse. So if we want, you know, if we want the benefits of recovery. We have to be willing to do the work. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.